I've got a message I believe that will speak to your heart and will lift you. I'm going to talk to you about the declarations that come from the Lord's table. Or we could say declarations of communion. So let's start out in Hebrews. Now listen really good today because I'm not preaching an hour or two. I'm preaching five or six hours. No, not really. So this will be a message I believe that will get in your heart and will bless you. In Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. It says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in past time, time past to the fathers by the prophets. Well, we know that in the old covenant, he spoke through holy men of old as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But now notice in this next verse, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son and by the power of the Holy Spirit whom he has appointed heir of all things, hallelujah, through whom also he made the worlds. How many of you know that he's still speaking today? He's speaking by the word and by the spirit. But another way that he speaks to our hearts, he speaks to us through the Lord's Supper. And so as we receive communion today as a church, let us realize that we are not here to observe a meaningless ritual. We've come with ears to hear and hearts wide open to see and declare the declarations of the Lord's table. Amen? The Lord's table does not represent some sort of dead religion or philosophy or ideology. No, these, these elements that we are to partake of, the bread and the grape juice, these are symbols of action. These are symbols of substance. And they have a very bold message for us today. Number one, on what Jesus did. Number two, what we have today because of Him. And number three, oh glory to God, what we have to look forward to because of His promised return. Woo, glory to God. And so communion then speaks about the past. It speaks about the present. And it speaks about the future. Because what Jesus did affects your past. What He has done affects our present. And what He has done, glory to God, will affect our future. In Revelation 1.8, it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, I'm the beginning and the end, says the Lord Almighty, who, uh, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So I believe our Father wants us to know that He's got us. He's got the whole spectrum of our life. He's got you covered, but He also has eternity covered. You see, He is the God of eternity. Isaiah 57, 15 says this, Oh, praise God, for this is what the High and Majestic One is saying to us today. The One who fills the eternal realm with glory. That's Isaiah, praise God. And I believe it's chapter 57 and verse 15. Did I get that right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Maybe not. Well, glory. Well, in Psalms 90 and verse 2, listen to this. Long before you gave birth to the earth and before the mountains were born, you have been from everlasting to everlasting the one and only true God. Money is not our God. Government is not our God. Hallelujah. 
El Shaddai, El Elyon, the God that changeth not, the God who inhabits eternity, the God who is from everlasting to everlasting. He is our God and He is the one that holds us in His hands. And did you know that He is not the great has-been? He, has he is not the great I will be. But He is the great I am. Who and what shall I say who sent me? Moses asked. The great I am said, Moses, you just tell him, I am that I am has sent you. And you know, he still am today. If you need healing in your body, he am the Lord that healeth thee. If you need peace in your soul, he am Jehovah Shalom. If you need right standing with God, He am your right standing with God. He is your righteousness. He is Jehovah Sidkenu. He is your provider. He is Jehovah Yireh, the God who meets all your need. Can somebody say amen? And so this is why the Bible speaks so authoritatively about our past, about our present, and about our future. We see it here in Titus. Look at Titus 2, 11 through 13. And we'll see the past, the present, and the future. For the grace of God that appeared, that brings salvation has appeared to all men. That's past. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly. How? Righteously. How? And godly. Where? In this present age. So this speaks of our present. And then verse 13 speaks of our future. Looking for that blessed hope. Whoo, we have a blessed hope. Folks, we're not always going to be doing what we're doing right now. There's coming a great change. There's coming a great removal from the church, from planet earth. It's called the rapture of the church. Glory to God. I believe the angels are, are wetting their, their lips. Praise God. Amen. The trumpet's going to sound. And we're going to be with Jesus. Amen. And not only that, we're not always going to be doing this. We're not always going to be wearing masks. Ooh, shahabahaya. I felt, I felt the organ go here right now. I might just do a little dance in the Holy Ghost. But as we receive today, communion has got some bold declarations about the past, the present, and the future. Now I'm going to take a moment and I want to read to you purposefully 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 22 through 32. And you may just want to read it along with me. For I have received... From the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, in the same manner, he also took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in what? In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death 
till he comes. You see, when we receive communion today, we're making a bold proclamation. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man do what? Examine himself. See, communion is a time of celebration, but it's also a time of examination. Now, I'm not to examine my neighbor. You're not to examine me. You're not to judge me, and I'm not to judge you. We're to judge ourselves. Now, if the Lord shows you something about a brother or a sister in Christ, he's showing it to you so you can pray for them. Amen. So in verse 28 again, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Verse 29. For he who drinks and eats in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Now notice this, not discerning the Lord's body. So when we receive communion, we are to discern or we are to see the fact that his body was broken for us. And through his broken body, there's wholeness available to us. We are also to discern and to see our brothers and sisters in Christ and make sure we're walking in love toward them. And then we also are to see and to discern our place, our position that God has put us in the body of Christ as servants of the Most High God. And I could use an amen right now. You know, I've been preaching for months to a camera. I haven't heard a lot of amens. So I'm having an amen deficit. Somebody help the preacher right now. (laughs) For if we would judge ourselves... We would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. So I want to talk to you about three things. The declarations. Communion number one says something about your past. What are we to remember? We are to remember His redeeming power in His death and in His burial and in the raising of Jesus from the dead. It is historically the most powerful event that has ever taken place in human history. He went down, but the devil couldn't keep him down. God the Father raised him up. And you may be down, but you're not going to stay down because He's the glory and the lifter up of your head. Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So what this means, guys, is we've entered in to a living covenant with a covenant-keeping God. Now, historically speaking, a blood covenant is an unbreakable agreement based on blood, resulting in an absolute union of two parties. Now, listen carefully. With which all their assets, their talents... Their debts and their liabilities are mutually shared. This agreement between tribes, this agreement that has been in past historically, is worked out carefully and is defined by pledges and promises that they make to each and one another. But oh, thank God, through the blood of Jesus, we've got a covenant with God. 
He took all your debts. He took all your liabilities. And we received all of his assets. And we've received all of his blessings. Say with me, I'm blessed. Woo, glory to God. And so we talk then about remembering the past. We're talking about focusing on what he has done. You see, the world cannot get away from their past because they haven't received what Jesus did for them in the past. Did you know this? The most significant thing in our lives is not what we did. It's not what may have been done to us. But the most significant things in our life is what Jesus did for you. He has redeemed you. He has healed you. He has blessed you. He has forgiven you. He has justified you. Hallelujah. Because of what he... I heard the organ again. Thank you, Jesus. Because of what he did, you're forgiven. You're cleansed. You're a new creation. You're accepted by God. You're a son of God. You're an heir of God and you are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank God what he has done in the past. Hallelujah affects us. And so these elements then declare the past telling us something to remember. But number two, communion, the table, the declarations of the communion also declares something about the present. The present. Hallelujah. Think about it this way. If uh, I read F.F. Bosworth's book years ago called Christ the Healer. Brother Hagen said that he wore out, I think, four or five of the hardcover Christ the Healer books when he was on the road. It wasn't paperback in those days. But he would read constantly and constantly feed his faith. Good thing to do, right? How many of you know your faith needs to be fed just like your body's going to be fed in whenever? <laughs> faith food, that little devotional by Dad Hagen. But let, let me just explain it like this. If you'll notice in the Word of God how many times there are the haths, H-A-T-H, in God's Word. He hath redeemed us. He hath delivered us. Now that's past tense. But if we believe that and receive that and speak that and act on that, the hath, the past tenses of God's word affect us presently. Amen? Amen? Oh, thank God. Thank God for the present tense blessings that come as a result of our redemption. Now listen very carefully. Because of this covenant that we have with God, God has made certain promises regarding His abiding presence and power in your life. Because of this blood covenant, He has promised that He would never, ever leave us nor forsake us. That means His hand is upon us. In Hebrews, I believe it's chapter 13 and verse 5, and we'll look at that in the Amplified Version. It says, for he, God himself, has said, let's continue on with the next. For he, God himself, has said, that's not the end of the verse. No, well, I'll read it. Praise the Lord. No, no, no. For he, God, has said, I will not in any way fail you 
nor leave you or leave you, give you without support. I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you, let you down. Neither will I relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Woo, glory to God. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. Amen. So communion not only speaks of the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ in our past, but it also so speaks, now listen carefully, it also speaks of his current keeping power in the present. There's keeping power in the blood covenant. God will keep you. God, as Brenda had said during the offering, God will restore you. God will keep you intact. He will keep you whole. Now, a few verses on that. Jesus said this in John 10, 29. He said, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. We sing a song about greater things, right? Well, this greater one lives in you and he's greater than all. And no one, no COVID-19, Come on, somebody. No financial deficit. No news media. No government official. Will ever be able to snatch you out of the Father's hand. Are you in your Father's hand today? In 2 Timothy 1.12 says this. For this cause, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded. Believing brings you to a place of being persuaded. The more that you believe, the more fully persuaded you will get. And I am fully persuaded... That he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. But notice this. God, I, I just want to come down there and get right in the middle of you. But notice this. God is not able to keep what we've not committed to him. In other words, if we haven't given him our all, then we are not in a position to be kept in our lives. Now, don't misunderstand me. God loves us and His hand is upon us. But I believe that if you really want to receive all that God has for you, you must fully commit your life to Him. You see, God gets blamed for a lot of things that happens in Christians' lives. Well, we just don't understand how that could happen. We don't understand why that happened. Well, I'll be honest with you. I don't understand it all either. But I do know this. When we go all in for Him and commit our all to Him, we are in a better position to be kept safe, to be kept sanctified, and to be kept whole until He returns. Amen? I do not want to live in this day and in this hour straddling the fence I don't want to be like this one step one foot in the world and one foot in the word that's uncomfortable you lose your balance that way you lose ground that way 
I refuse to live the way that the world is living. Now, God loves the world, and we love the world, and we don't get vicious with the world because you and I, and I are the light of the world. Come on, somebody. We're the salt of the earth. We are the answer through the blood covenant that the world needs to see and the world needs to hear. But you know what? We'll never reach the world living like the world. And that's about all I'm going to say about that. In 1 Timothy 1.5, notice this, that we are kept. Everyone say this, I'm kept. By what? We are kept by what? Oh, it's not up there. In 1 Peter 1.5. 1 Peter 1.5. There we go. All right. Who are kept by what? Okay, so we are kept by the power of God, but not just the power of God through faith. What will keep you and I in this day, in this hour, is not just His power, but faith in His power. Confidence and trusting His power to keep us and to uphold us. We're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now look at Jude 24. Jude 24. Somebody says, well, Pastor Mark, I'd like to say that I'm perfect. Well, I didn't say I was perfect. No one's perfect. We're complete in Christ. Don't misunderstand me. Somebody said, well, Pastor, you know, it's been a tough season. I've fallen and I've kind of fallen backwards. Well, thank God you can get back on your feet. I said, you can get back on your feet. But not only can you get back on your feet, God will keep you from falling again. Look at over here in Jude 24. It says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. Amen. Amen. Kept by the power of God, able to keep us falling. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.23, they don't have it, so I'll quote it for you, says it just about all. It says this, and this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for all of you watching today. Now may the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And somebody says, well, that's just a little bit blind to us. Listen to what other translation says, that you may be kept safe. Spirit, soul, and body preserved. Another translation says that you may be kept strong. Strong. Not weakened by circumstance. Not weakened by what's going on around us. But strengthened by the one who lives on the inside of us. Kept safe. Kept strong. And I like this one. It says kept intact and wholly free. Kept intact. You're not going to lose your mind. You got a sound mind. 
You have the mind of Christ. You're not going to fail. Glory to God. In Christ Jesus, we're coming up. We're going up. We're going to sail. We're going to soar with eagles in this hour. Now, there are two sides to the issue of keeping. Everyone say keeping. Just like there's two sides of a coin. Certainly God keeps us. But how many of you know, you and I have a responsibility to keep ourselves as well. There's a lot in the Bible about keeping ourselves. For example, Jude 21 says, we must keep ourselves in what? The love of God. First John 5.18 says, we know that whoever is born of God, you're all born of God, does not sin. What that means is this. When you're born of God, you don't go about practicing sin as a way of life. You may stumble. You may fall. But thank God for 1 John 1, 9. I don't practice it daily, but I practice it often. If we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? So it says, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God, notice this, keeps who? Keeps himself. In other words, the responsibility under his great keeping power, giving us the ability to keep ourselves. And once we do that, what does the rest of the verse say? The rest of the verse says, and the wicked one. The one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The wicked one will not be able to touch you. Woo, glory. That's shouting ground right there, folks. What we're talking about is the fact that the Lord's table is a declaration of our present. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, it says, Let a man examine himself. Questions we must ask ourselves. Am I walking in love? Am I discerning the Lord's body? Am I walking in His ways? Am I shunning evil? Am I walking in obedience to the will of God? And this thought came to me in between services. And I believe it's worth your drive today. It's worth your temperature check. (laughs) It's worth your mass. Somebody says, it better be, brother. But this thought came to me today, and that is this. If you want to be kept, have faith in the power of God and keep yourself. Two things, faith in his power and keeping yourself. Number three, communion, whoo, glory, declares something about our future. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. it says, For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The word proclaim here means to declare, to preach, to show, to announce, and to publish. These elements that we're about to receive in about five or ten minutes... Notice I gave myself some time. Not only speak of what he did, but they proclaim and foretell 
the fact that he's coming again. Jesus said this. This is prophetic. And Jesus said in Matthew 26, 29, But I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus didn't just come to remove our sinful past. He didn't just come to provide us with His presence. He also came to give you a glorious future. So in a very real way, communion is a remembrance of a past event. But in another sense, it's the foretelling of a future event which is yet to come. We could look at it this way. We might say that you and I right now, on July 12th, 2020, you might say that we are involved in a progressive dinner. Folks, what we're partaking of down here is just an appetizer. Oh, but the main meal is going to be served in my father's house. Hallelujah. In Revelation 19:9, it says, Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. See, when you and I truly recognize and believe that he's coming again, it will impact our lives greatly. It'll help us to live right. It'll help us to do right. And it'll help us to be right. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Let's read it together. Ready, read. It says, Beloved. No, problem up there? Okay, all right. So I'll read it. 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3 says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not been revealed yet what shall be. But we know when He is revealed, we're going to be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I'm going to invite Pastor Tom to come. So we've learned today that communion has a clear message. It declares that Jesus is the one who was, who is, and is to come. In the past, he brought a perfect redemption for you. In the present, He's with us by His Spirit. In the future, He's coming again. And man, it's going to be glorious. Amen. Glory to God.